Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. All right, welcome to Revolution. Uh, hey to guys listening online, and hello to you guys here. Um, I'm kind of flustered right now because I'm extremely late. I have a new job where I have to work overnight sometimes, and, and last night I pick up a shift, and I worked until 6 a.m., and I thought I'd be all good to go, but when my alarm went off, I said, hey, let's hit the snooze button, and um, that was a poor choice. <laughs> uh, anyhow, yeah, thanks for... Thanks for tuning in and thanks for staying here, you guys who are, who are physically here and being patient and and graceful with me, which, hey, guess what? We're going to talk about grace today. <laughs> Shocker, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just going to read from Ephesians 2 and kind of talk through it. Uh, there's some things in here that, uh, as far as inclusivity goes, I'm not... I'm not fully sure where the author is coming from, but there's some stuff in here that I do like a lot. And this this will probably be a quick one because I just I uh, I feel really guilty for being for being so late. Thanks, Jay. All right, let's. I'm just going to start with Ephesians two, uh, verse one. Once you were dead, obviously this is a metaphor because. I've never been dead. Have you guys ever been dead? I don't think so. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins, you used to live in sin like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. So I've never seen or met the devil, so I'm going to approach this as I approach a lot of scripture uh, metaphorically and Let's say the devil is the 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 concept of 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 evil of of malice. So you were obeying the devil. The you were you were hurting other people. Maybe you were um, you were giving into things you shouldn't have given into. Maybe. Um, the commander of the powers of the unseen world, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God, or maybe who who, who refuse to obey love, who are hating, who are, who are living in hate, or who are living in a malicious kind of mindset. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. So yeah, just probably just, Screwing other people over might be another way to, to read that. But our very nature, oh, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger like everybody else. So that's kind of a, th- a throwback to the Old Testament, I think. Um, subject to God's anger, um, which I think we might be able to rightly say we were subject to justice. We were messing up and we were subject to justice, to to the rightful um, consequences of our bad choices. We used to live that way, following the passions, desires, and inclinations of our sinful nature, of our of our the shitty choices that we make. 
but we are subject to God to God's anger like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy and loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, again, I'm sure that's, this is metaphorical because uh, I've never, I've, I could have died many times and I, and I, you know, I probably uh, deserved it, but, but I never have. But he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace you've been saved. It's the first time we hear, we hear that word grace, which is going to come up again here in a little bit. It's only by God's grace you've been saved, which I think we can imply is throwing back to, uh, to, to that earlier reference of being saved from death. It's only by God's grace that we're alive. He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. And I, I love the story of the resurrection. Um, I, I, I should probably even like harp on this less just generally, but like, I, I don't, I don't feel like a physical resurrection is, is a necessary belief to, to understand it and appreciate the, the stories that we get from the Christian tradition. But the idea of a, of a, of a human, whether you subscribe to atonement theory or, or however you approach the story of Christ's resurrection, it, I think it's a powerful one. And, the idea that someone's been unjustly killed because of their beliefs and took it on on uh, you know uh, gracefully and 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 or 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 the idea that you know that that, it, it, that that they took on your burden of death that that you no longer have to take on you know it it was an un however you approach it it was an unjust murder or an unjust, um, you know, sacrifice, however you want to approach that. And in the Jewish tradition, of course, sacrifice is, cent- is, is central to that, uh, that tradition and, the, and that worldview. The idea that, that something has to pay for what you've done. So, you know, in, in Judaism, you gotta, you gotta kill a dove. You gotta, Find a, a, a clean calf, and uh, you know, and, and and kill it, in order to to take on the burden of the things that you've done, and and so the idea of Christ being a sacrifice, as as a human, and even if this is how you see Christ as as a God, is a huge thing. That this perfect. And, you know, define perfect because Christ broke a lot of laws. And, uh, but, 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 but that a perfect human or a perfect God would shoulder that burden of, of being sacrificed or even just would be singled out because of upsetting the, the institution. I think that that's just a heavy concept no matter where you're coming from. Um, with your with your understanding of that, if you're in the Christian tradition, um, 
So let's read on here. Um, so, raises from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. There's a lot of references in the New Testament to us being with Christ, to us being parallel with Christ, to us, you know, even taking on the example of Christ. And then in communion, I think, even literally becoming Christ and, and, and being the body of Christ by consuming the body of Christ, which is maybe has some uh, cannibalistic implications there that we might not want to focus too much on. But, but I think the metaphor is beautiful and, and heavy and gorgeous. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. And this is, when I was uh, in Sunday school, this is one that we, we was always kind of drilled into our heads. I'm reading from the New Living right now, but I think it was the NIV that I, that I memorized during those, uh, what are those called? Those like sword drills? Is that what it is? When, when you would, you know, have to look up a verse as quick as you could or memorize a verse. But I think the NIV, the one that's in my head that, that I learned when I was probably like eight years old that will never be out of my head was, um, you've, you've been saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. And I never use the word lest in my, in my modern <laughs> vocabulary, but, but I, I think that message is heavy. So let's see how the New Living phrases it. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. And that's, that's beautiful. And you guys are being gracious to me. Like I said to the online listeners, I'm running super late today. And, 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 I, and Jay texted me. I should have texted Jay first, but Jay texted me and was like, hey, where are you at? What's going on, buddy? And I said, man, I feel so shitty. I'm running late. And he just, the one word you said to me, Jay, was grace. And that really struck a chord for me and seemed to line up with what I was going to talk about, too. You can't take credit for grace. You can't earn grace. You can't earn forgiveness. And that's what makes it so freaking gorgeous. We can't earn... You know, you can you can do favors for people and, and, and try to make up for the bad choices that you've made. And you should. You should try to make up for the bad choices that you've made. But, yeah, man. Yeah. But in this tradition... Now it's me and you, Robert. <laughs> but in this tradition, uh, I think something that's really important about Christianity is uh, is grace and the fact that it can't be earned and that uh, and that love can't be earned. And I know I've been through. You know, plenty of, of uh, breakups and even just like relationship, like even just friendly relationships ending on account of things that I've done wrong. And this is kind of something that I'm thinking about a lot re- here recently because I, I, went, I just very, very recently went through, a, you know, through a breakup that uh, a romantic breakup that. I felt real bad over, and I, I did the wrong things over. I'm not saying that this person should have shown me more grace, but but I think that God as an ideal, as a concept, 
is grace, is love, is perfect forgiveness, but that does not exclude justice at the same time. There's consequences for what we do, but one reason that I kind of have a a problem with with the idea or our modern conceptualization of hell is there's not a lot of... uh, I mean, there's room for grace, but there's it, there's not a a perfect grace. I don't think in that um, in in the idea of an eternal damnation. Um, this is kind of a tangent. I, I wasn't even planning on talking about, but my dad uh, is a very con- conservative Christian and raised me to believe that I had to subscribe to these certain things and say these certain words and prayers and do these certain acts. And which is funny because, you know, Ephesians says it's, it's not by our works, but I had to do these certain acts and say these certain prayers to get out of damnation, to get out of hell. And through conversations and this is kind of fun. This is a good little... I didn't... I swear I did not plan this, but like this is like a plug for my own... Uh, another podcast that I do called Air of Grievances. But we had a conversation on the air, a conversation live, where we talked through the logic of a parent, of a father, of a loving God, a loving parent, sending you to hell eternally for messing up. And he, in this conversation, live, on the air, quote-unquote, came to a place to where he denounced that. Uh, And, you know, for him, it was a really big step. He didn't say, oh, no, I don't believe in hell anymore. But he said, said, hell is probably a a purification realm. It's a place where... The, all the bad things that you've done are burned away. And, of course, the modern concept of hell is, is more of a inferno, whereas the, Jewish, the uh, original Jewish conception was like an, an icy place. But, but So through his terminology, he, he, he said that hell is probably a place where you, the bad things that you've done are, are burned away. And then you're reunited with the parent, with the father, with the, with the source of grace and love. And I think that I'm not a parent. I'd like to be a parent, but but uh, I think that as a parent, it's hard to embrace a love, the idea of a loving God that would be like, well, you missed your curfew, so now you're damned forever gonna burn in hell and have these demons i don't know what poke you in the butt with a pitchfork or something like it's this it's 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 absurd i personally have a hard time even just even just acknowledging that there could be a hell but i fully understand that there's plenty of people out there who do and that and that is totally fine it's just where i'm at personally but a God who is so loving, a New Testament God, a, a, a modern con- conceptualization of this God, 
it's just hard to uh that's a hard pill to swallow i'm gonna keep reading here um where do we even leave off Okay, God is so rich in mercy and loves us so much. That's just verse four there, and then I'll I'll skip ahead back to where we left off. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Which, when you believed, I don't know. Because I don't really feel like Christianity has a, has a monopoly on the idea of of love or the idea of God. But, But God saved you by his grace. You can't take credit for it. It's a gift. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can brag about it. This this next verse is really, really beautiful. We're God's masterpiece. That's what it says here. Verse 10, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. And and we're broken, guys. Like if if you do subscribe to the, to a literal understanding of the Bible, then I'd say probably well the the angels or Jesus is God's masterpiece is the perfect, or God is God's masterpiece. It, it, you know is is the perfect creation. But no, it says we we these broken, messed up people who hurt each other. And who, and who make mistakes all the time. We are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ so we can do the good things he planned for us. So through love, through God, through grace, now we can do the good things that he planned for us. Or just do the good things. Don't forget that you... Oh, <laughs> here we go again with some cultural uh, references. Uh, don't forget you Gentiles. That's us. Well, I don't think any of us are actually Jewish. So, <laughs> You Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens. Uh-oh, better get that... Uh, foreskin chopped off or God's going to be mad. You're called uncircumcised heathens who were proud of their circumcision. (laughs) That's kind of funny, right? (laughs) Uncircumcised heathens who were proud. You were called proud of their, uh, of their circumcision. Uh, Even though it affected only the bodies and not the hearts. (laughs) What if circumcision did affect your heart? (laughs) Like, (laughs) <laughs> you're just like you hit a whole new worldview like once you get the tip of your dick chopped off <laughs> we're gonna have to write this one e i think for explicit but <laughs> it's like you chop it off and it's like oh now i understand how to love people in those days you were living apart from christ you were excluded from the citizenship among the people of israel which i think metaphorically is just saying like the people of Israel, the chosen people, the, the people of God, I think that's just saying people who love each other. It, that's that's how I can read it and understand it and apply it to my life. You're excluded from, from being a loving person, I think is what that big metaphor that the entire Old Testament, this huge library of books, I think that's what that is pointing to and, and, and that's what that is saying. You did not know 
the promises that God has made. You lived in the world without God, without love, and without hope. But now you've been united with Christ. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. And of course, there's plenty of even current traditions that would say that that's a literal thing, you know, uh, transubstantiation and the idea of uh, consuming the literal body and blood of Christ in order to uh, be saved, which again is a, is a term that I, I, I like. I like that Ephesians puts the idea, it, it does use the term being saved or salvation a lot, but I do like the idea that, um, that Ephesians kind of presents in saying that you were dead and now you're saved. So you were dead and now you're alive. So maybe that, that might even be a parallel to say instead of, saying, now we're saved from the wrath of hell, is maybe just a parallel to say, now you're alive, now you're vibrant, now you're full of, of, of life and, uh, and love. Yeah, maybe salvation is, is, is a reference to just being, being full of, of life and love now. Um, I'm just going to read a little bit more here. So once you were far away from God... But now you've been brought near him. Let's say just you've been brought near him through Christ. Because I, I just feel like there's baggage in, in saying through the blood of Christ. Like there's just like how do you even approach that? Through the blood of Christ. And I'm sure that's probably just honestly a nod to the Jewish context of sacrifice. Of, of needing to kill something needing to spill blood because you deserved it, but something else took it for you. I think that's a way to kind of tie in the old Testament with the new Testament and to use that metaphor to say that we deserve bad things. I do a lot of stuff where I deserve bad things. Um, and the extreme example of that would be deserving death, you know, but I think, that that's kind of a, a, a powerful metaphor to say that we deserve some really bad consequences, but there's grace, but there's love and there's forgiveness. And you can't expect that forgiveness. You can't expect that love because, because you didn't earn it. And that is kind of the paradox and the beauty of it is that we don't deserve it. And I'm not talking about eating pork. You know, I'm not talking about some Old Testament like, oh, we we touched the the dead body of a, I don't know, what, what even is it in the old, like you touched a, a dead pig or something? <laughs> uh, you're unclean, yeah. Or like you you performed some, uh, you know, Old Testament... Um, uh, like miscreant sexual act or something like that, um, but but that that even too could be a metaphor just for 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 making bad choices and then being forgiven. And maybe that forgiveness, I don't think that like with you, Robert. If you if you 
were mean to me, and then you were like, hey, bro, I killed this dog. Will you forgive me? Like, I, like you were... You're supposed to come to lunch with me and you didn't show up. And I was like, Robert, what, what happened, man? And then you're like, oh, don't worry about it. I found a dog and I killed it. Here's its blood. Now I'm forgiven. You know, <laughs> like, I don't think it's a literal thing like that where it's like, oh, I, uh, I caught a pigeon and I slit its throat. So you can forgive me now, <laughs> you know, but I, I think it's just a big metaphor for the idea that. There are consequences to what we do, but we can have grace and forgive each other without me like being like, well, and now I, I owe you a punch in the face and then we'll be cool again or something like that. It's just, it's grace. It's love. It's free. It's free to us. Whether or not that's a literal thing because this dude, Jesus died or just because God is love and we can know love. And we can know forgiveness and we can forgive and be forgiven freely. That's kind of, you know, I, I wish I had, uh, I should have pulled up like Webster's dictionary or something to, to see the definition of grace. But, but that is grace. That is love. And you, there's going to be fallout. There's going to be consequences. And we talk a lot here about borders. Like I'm not talking about the Trump borders, but <laughs> We talk a lot about, about personal, emotional borders, and you know you have to set those things up. You can forgive people and love people. I have people who are close to me. I have family members who are close to me who I love with all of my heart, but I have to have borders. I can't respond to every... I have a, I have a manic, a type 1 bipolar manic family member who sometimes has psychotic breaks and texts me crazy things that I just don't know how to respond to. And I think sometimes the most loving thing and the most healthy thing for me is to not respond and to not engage. Um, but that's not out of hate. That's out of setting up borders and, and, and being loving. And maybe I don't know the best way to even respond to that, but, but I still, you know, I still try to practice grace and practice love and not take it personal when silly, crazy things are said. I try to show love and, I think that that is what this passage, what this scripture, what this book, depending how you read it, I think that's what that that's what this book is encouraging us to aspire towards. I'm, just, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish out Ephesians two. Let's see what else it has to say. Christ Himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles. Which in my head, this is probably, this might even be kind of fickle, but whenever I hear Jews and Gentiles, I think uh, Christians and non-Christians is kind of how I approach that because I don't even have the cultural context for that. And if you want to get down to it, it's it's kind of racist. <laughs> so <laughs> I just read it as Christians and non-Christians. So forgive me for for reinterpreting this. He united Christians and non-Christians. How about that? Into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He, he united us and the other. How about that? That's maybe a little bit more broad. He united us and people who aren't us and broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. That's great. That's a wonderful sentiment. 
He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. So how are you going to come... Okay, ending the system of the law with its commandments and regulations. How are you going to come at me and talk to me about things in the Old Testament that are forbidden, that are freaking silly? Like, we... I. We, Robert, we had a conversation about this, uh, about, um, Tony, what's his name? Kimpolo? About, he has this amazing, I'm going to plug this, he has this amazing, uh, sermon where he came around to being, uh, affirming of, of uh, the LGBTQ community, and he's saying, you know, if we followed Old Testament law to a T, then, um, how does he phrase it? Then the NFL, you know, would, would, would not succeed because you wouldn't be allowed to touch the football because it's the, the skin of a dead pig. Like, but even beyond that, it's just, it's, this is even, even more broad net. Like, how are you going to hate on people for doing things that the Old Testament forbids? That's just freaking ridiculous to me. How are you going to hate on 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 gay people on queer people as subscribing to Christianity reading this verse how can you do that how can you hate on anyone just for being what they are for being who they are when you read these verses if even if these verses define your mindset which for a lot of people it does when there's so much grace here So it says, he brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles, to you others who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near, which I don't even, I don't even know what that means, the Jews who were near to God and the Gentiles who were far away from God. So maybe uh, the people who were outside of love and acting lovingly and didn't have these filters these mindsets these scriptures defining their lives and brought peace to those who were there who were who were living in love i want to read that verse actually i'm going backwards but he did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations he ended the system of law that was full of commandments and regulations and judgment and closed-mindedness. I think that's a fair interpretation of that. He brought the good news of peace to you who were far away from him and peace to you who were close. All of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit, through the same means, because of Christ. So now you're no longer... Strangers, you're no longer foreigners, you're citizens, along with all of God's holy people. So I think that's saying even people who are doing it the right way, even people who already understood love, have access to grace. And, to, and, and, and those who were not there have access to change and to being there. You can, you can change, maybe not... not in your essence, 
but how you act and how you treat other people, you can change and you can live in love and you can forgive each other and you can exercise grace and experience grace. I think that's fair. It's, and then it goes on. It says, you're members of God's family. We're all, it, that's what it's saying. Now you who were not, in verse 19, this is what it says. You who were not members of God's family are. That's a great sentiment. It's so inclusive and so graceful. Together, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Together. I like that. To get as a church, as a community, as a body, as a as a friend group, maybe. We're the we're the house, we're the foundation. And the cornerstone is Christ. We're carefully joined together. That's weird. Carefully joined together. We're carefully joined together. I want to know what what the actual Koine Greek word is for carefully. We're carefully joined together. In him becoming a holy temple. Through him, you're being made part of the dwelling where God lives. Where love lives. Where grace lives. Together, through love, we can become a house of love and of grace and forgiveness. That's what I take away from Ephesians 2. Is through through love, through God, through Yahweh, through Allah, however you understand that, through love, we can build a house together. We can be a house together of love, of grace, of of uh, of safety, of forgiveness, of acceptance, of inclusion. Together we can build a foundation and a house of love and acceptance and grace. And I need grace. I'm not telling anyone listening to be more graceful. I'm saying I need it. And I will exercise it as much as I can and to the best of my ability because I freaking need it myself too. And like we said, <coughs> excuse me, like we said earlier, I don't want to harp on it too much, but um, sometimes grace includes boundaries. Sometimes grace includes not making the same mistakes over and over again and getting hurt yourself even. But, you know, if I... This might be a silly metaphor, but if I need if I need the five dollars in my pocket to eat, I'm probably not gonna give it to the person on the side of the street asking for money. But if I don't, I will. And I think that's grace, because I've I've asked for money, you know, in many capacities. And so it's kind of you know paying it forward or whatever the 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 hot kind of term the the buzzword is for that but but we all need love we all need forgiveness we all need grace and we have to show it to each other and people who don't show it back to us you got to set up some boundaries sometimes but through Christ 
which to me means through love, through the perfect way of living, through trying and striving towards emulating that love, we can build a house, we can build a foundation of love that will shelter us and keep us together and bond us together. I'm just going to read that last verse again here. You're no longer strangers and foreigners. From, from God is what that's saying. From, from love. You're citizens of, of God's holy people. You're members of the family. That's what it says. Together we're his house. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. You know, that's you know, a, kind of a, a Jewish cultural thing there. Uh, the cornerstone is Christ. The cornerstone is love. We are carefully joined together, becoming a holy temple. Through him we're made part of the dwelling where God lives, where love lives. So through love, we can build a foundation, a house, a safety, a shelter. Because there's, there's a lot of shit around us coming at us, and we need a shelter. And we are that shelter when we join together and love each other and show grace to each other. And I think that that's kind of just the, that's the heartbeat of, uh, of this message. That's about all I got to say about that. Any, any thoughts? No? Okay. All right. Um, I'll say a prayer. Because that's how you're supposed to end a sermon. (laughs) Uh, God, love, thanks for existing. Thanks for... Love, thank you for existing. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for letting us love each other and and be loved by each other. Um, We're going to try harder. To love each other better. Um, help us not judge each other. Help us accept each other. Help, but, but at the same time, help us love ourselves by putting up the, the, the personal boundaries that we need. Not, not in a hateful way, but in a loving way. And, and, and help us to encourage each other to do that for our, for our own selves. Um, Love, you're you're amazing. Thanks for thanks for love and being love. Um, amen. <laughs> this is revolution. If you're listening online, we're not we're a nonprofit. Um, if you'd like to make a donation, we we would appreciate it. But we would much rather have you listening to us than giving us your money. So if it comes down to the two, just keep on listening because any support in any form helps, and we love you. And we encourage you to love each other. And yeah, thanks for listening.